Grasp the Bible is a podcast of Spring Baptist Church that walks through selected books of the Bible verse by verse, as well as explores biblical ideas and topics to help you understand and apply God's Word in your daily life. Pastor Dale Stein of our Klein Campus will be leading each week's study. This is our 60th episode. Thank you for joining us today. We're starting our summer series where we're going to be talking about different topics and ideas. So, Pastor Darrell, what do you want to talk about today? Well, as we look around the world and we see how crazy it is, of course, a big topic, one that always gets a lot of attention is the end times. One of the questions is, as we look around our world nowadays, are we seeing some of these fulfillments uh, of the end times? So that's what I want to talk about today. And I'm going to throw out a really big word, eschatology. Can you spell it? No. Okay, just check in. Okay, so as we're talking about eschatology or the, the science or study of end times, uh, I'm guessing there's a lot of different views. How many biblical views are there of the end times? Well, there are principally four different views of the end times. And really, um, each one has a different take on the concept of the millennium or the thousand-year reign of Christ um, on the binding of Satan and on the relationship between Israel and the church. And so I want to take a look at those four today through the lens of how do they treat each one of those three different components. Okay, so give us a, a brief overview. What are the four types? And then we'll, we'll, get, we'll dive into the individual ideas on each one. Sure. So the first one is called amillennialism. The next is post-millennialism. And then the final one is really broken down into two sub-branches. Okay, so it's called historic premillennialism, and then finally dispensationalism. Okay, so let's jump right in. Let's talk about the first one. All right, so amillennialism, right? It literally means that there is no literal, open, visible, 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth, but instead, the reign of Christ is understood in a fundamentally different way. Now, there may be this man of sin, as Paul mentions in 2 Thessalonians, um, who could fit some type of antichrist definition or archetype of the modern understanding of the term. So, again, amillennialism, the big key there is there is no literal open 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth. So, um, uh, it is, for them, it can be taken Figuratively, so the thousand-year period isn't a specific thousand-year cycle on an actual calendar. Instead, with his resurrection and ascension, Christ began his reign. So he presently rules on the earth in the millennial age, and he rules through his people. And he will return physically at any moment to usher in heaven on earth. Now let's talk about the role of Satan in this view. Satan's influence has been diminished because he has been bound by Christ. Satan himself is not currently exerting influence over the world. And then finally, with Israel and the church, there is not a stark contrast between Israel and the church. Rather, the church is spiritual Israel because Christ is true Israel. Now, this does not mean that the church has replaced Israel, but instead that the church is the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham that his offspring would bless all nations. Okay, so that is our first of our four topics. Now, what is number two? Okay, so the second view is the post-millennial view. Now, many of us have probably never maybe even heard of this view, or really have probably not met too many people who subscribe to this, because this is really an early American 
view. Uh, it's rare to hear to someone speak of this, uh, in part because the post-millennial view is a difficult system to quantify. Not only is it a minor- minority position, but post-millennial thinkers tend to disagree about the details. So let's take a look at some of their broad points of agreement here. Now, on the reign of Christ, post-millennialists differ as to whether the reign of Christ is a literal 1,000 years or simply a long period of time. So at its core, the distinctive of post-millennial thought is the ever-expanding progress of the gospel until the world becomes markedly Christian. And at that point, Christ will return. So the millennial age is ushered in by the unrelenting advance of the gospel. Now let's talk about the role of Satan. There is no definitive position on the role of Satan within the post-millennial thought. So some of these theologians argue that Satan was bound by Jesus, similar to the amillennial view, while others would argue that it remains a future event in agreement with the premillennial view. And then finally, on Israel and the church, the post-millennial position agrees with amillennialism. The church is the fulfillment of Israel, and the church is spiritual Israel. So again, that is a post-millennial view, not very common today. Okay, sounds very complicated. Yes. Okay, so we have amillennial, post-millennial, and what is our third uh, way of looking at this? So the third one is called premillennialism. And again, this is broken up into two subgroups, which we'll talk about. Um, so this is often assumed to be the default view of Christians in America. It's the most common view of the end times held by American evangelicals. And so we will uh, we'll walk through what the difference is between what's called historic premillennialism and dispensationalism. So let's begin with the historical view. Uh, Christ would return physically and visibly in order to usher in this millennial reign. But the historic premillennialists disagree with the reign of Christ, that it will be a thousand years or just a long period of time. Okay, People just aren't sure which view that is. Uh, Satan is currently at work in the world, influencing affairs and deceiving the nations. At the return of Christ, Satan will be bound for the duration of the millennial age. And then finally, with Israel and the church, historic premillennialism presupposes or pr- proposes that the church is a spiritual fulfillment of Israel in a manner that is similar to the amillennialist view and the postmillennialist view. Okay. That's a lot. It is a lot. Okay, and you, you hinted about the fourth view, correct? Right. So how does that tie in with the third view? So again, it is another form of premillennialism, but it's called the dispensational view. So for most dispensationalists, for the reign of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ will begin after his return at the end of a distinct seven-year period known as the tribulation. The The millennial reign of Christ begins at the third coming of Christ, and dispensationalists propose a secret rapture concept in which Christ's return prior to or midway through the tribulation period to remove the church from the earth. And uh, like the premillennialists and dispen- or like premillennialists, the historical ones, dispensationalists argue that Satan is actively at work to resist the church and undermine God's people, and he'll be bound for the duration of the millennium and only released for a final confrontation following his thousand-year captivity. That is a lot. Yes. There's a lot going on. So now I know the question that everyone's going to ask, um, because it comes up every time. We've talked about uh, how each one of these different things look at the millennial view. 
let's talk about the tribulation. You you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, how 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 do they handle the tribulation? Because you hear a lot of people will talk about their eschatology or end times ideas based on the their position on whether we go through the tribulation or don't or all of those kind of things. That's going to be a question people are going to ask. Mm-hmm. So so do you want to maybe go into a little more discourse about the tribulation side of it? Yeah. So let's specifically talk about it because again, we don't see too much of the post-millennial view. Um, and principally this issue comes up in the premillennial view. Some argue that uh, the church will be taken out before the tribulation occurs. Others, so they, they argue for what's called a tree-tribulation rapture, or pre-trib position. You know, you might hear that. Then there are others who argue that, well, no, there is this mid-trib or mid-tribulation, that the church will undergo the first half of the tribulation, which would be about three and a half years, and then the church will be taken out. And then finally, there are others who argue for a post-tribulation view that states that the church will go through all of the Great Tribulation and then will be taken out afterwards. Okay, so as really current in our society, uh, people generally feel like if someone doesn't agree with me, they're very wrong, mm, mm-hmm. right? But, but we know that the Bible kind of lends itself to all three of those views mm-hmm. um, at different, different points. Um, but, you know, someone told me once the best line ever, you know, we pray that God sucks us out before the tribulation, mm-hmm. and we prepare if he doesn't. Right. <laughs> but, but, but that being said, um, you, you and I both are on staff at Spring Baptist Church, and what would Spring Baptist Church, if, if the pastor was to get up to talk about this and say he feels this way, as well as the staff, what would be our view as Spring Baptist Church slash Southern Baptist in, in, in our context? What would be our view if you're going to just state that out there? Yeah, our view is the premillennial view. Okay. And, um, and I, I do want to touch on something that, that you said, which is, is, which is critical for us, and I, I don't want us to pass through this lightly. There are great biblical arguments for at least principally the all millennial view and the premillennial view. Again, postmillennial, there's still some, but I don't think they're as strong as the others. And again, um, I could be wrong. We could be wrong, right? And other people could be wrong too, but we both can't be right. And so uh, this is not a salvation issue. And so we have others who might disagree with our viewpoint. And we still love those brothers and sisters in the Lord. And uh, this is not a salvation issue. We know one day, eventually, we'll know the truth. <laughs> yeah, right? We'll find out. But until then, uh, it is up to us to continue to dig into God's Word, to do our best with the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, to understand and interpret what uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, what God through the Holy Spirit was intended to, to teach us through that. And, um, and then knowing that, what are we doing and living out? as a result of us being transformed by the Word of God. Oh, I totally agree. And something we also need to keep on the radar is, is this idea that a lot of people act as though they really, really know things about the end times. Mm. But you and I have talked time and time again, the book of Revelation, you get into some of the prophecy in the Old Testament, what Jesus said, what Paul said, it is very covered, mm-hmm. as is much of the prophecy of the Bible. And um, it's not an easy path to just go, oh, this is true, this, 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 and this. You really have to look through it and really dig into it. It's not really clear. Like, Jesus didn't go, oh, 
this will happen, then this will happen. And he mm-hmm. gives us some hints, you know, followed up. Revelation has some hints, but it's not really the clearest thing. Right. So, like you said, we need to study God's word. We need to, to depend on the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think we get away without touching on this. We've, ta- we've talked about how people look on their theology of the end time. But at the end of the day, we still can't forget what our purpose is here on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that most Christians live with one foot on earth and one foot in heaven. But if God would have wanted that, he would have made us that way. But we need to be firmly planted on earth doing the things we're called to now. Because mm-hmm. I think some people get very distracted by the end time stuff and they forget about the Great Commission stuff. And this is exactly what Jesus gets into with his disciples late, late in the book of Matthew. Where he tells them, hey, I'm going to come back. This is, these things are going to happen. But while you're waiting on me to return, you need to be busy doing the things that I've commanded you. And here, and I'm so glad you brought this up, because here is the thing that I've seen so many times, uh, is that we in the church, I'm saying the capital C church, churches across America, so many times are so enthralled with the book of Revelation and the end times and what could all this mean and this and that. We speculate and we want to get off into all these different ideas that, like you said earlier, are not very clear to us. And we get so bogged down and we argue with one another and we speculate and we, we, we like to really go off on tangents at times. And then the real question then that I have is, okay, we have these parts of scripture that aren't completely clear. And why are we spending so much time on those and arguing about them when we're really not, really, we're really not doing all that, that scripture has been made very clear to us. So let's focus, first of all, on the parts that are clear and the commands that we have. Let's be really good with doing those, right? Let's not neglect the other part, but then also let's not get hung up over there to, at the detriment of us actually carrying out the Great Commission. I, I, I totally lock in with that. And, and, and this is the other thing that pops up. People always ask, are we in the last days? Mm-hmm. And my answer is we're closer today than we were yesterday, right? Right. <laughs> we're one day closer. But I think when we're focused on the mission of the church, that the timing isn't as big a deal. You know, I think maybe every generation of Christians, including Paul, mm-hmm. said, you know, I was reading the other day in one of his epistles, he was like, and I don't think it'll be long, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you're talking about Paul, like, but I think we always feel like Jesus is going to come back in, in our generation. But I love what you said, that we need to be busy about the work. Mm-hmm. Th- this is a great thing to talk about, and it should bring hope and encouragement, not division or disunity. Mm-hmm. It should bring um, some, draws us, should draw us together, not tear us apart. Right. But at the end of the day, what draws us together is what we're called to do, like you said. And I love that idea that there's a lot we don't understand. I said this, this is the Marty version. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot we don't understand that's not clear. And then we try to work on that so hard that it's at the expense of the things that are very clear. Right. Love your neighbor. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Tell people about Jesus. Disciple folks. Bring them to the church. Help them be baptized. Bring them along in life. Take care of your family. You know, be Jesus-y. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're focused in on that, everything else kind of makes sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
And it, it, you said something a minute ago that reminded me, you know, back in the Old Testament, you had the, 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 the Pharisees were looking back and they had over 600 different laws that they had, right? And Jesus was saying, look, you guys can't follow 600 commandments. You can't even follow 10 commandments. Let me give you just two. And so my challenge to our listeners is, what if we just tried to live out those two commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think, Marty, if we were to focus on those two things alone, the church would be a powerful force for God's kingdom in America. That's a great, great way to end our time together. Thank you for joining us. We've got some great podcast episodes coming up over the next several weeks. We're very excited about those. We'll be letting you know what those are. As always, check out our show notes. Uh, for descriptions and resources to be able to help you with this idea. And if you need to go back and listen through it again, I challenge you to do that as well. Um, Sometimes you need to hear these things several times to really get it. Thank you so much for joining us and coming along on this journey, this experiment, as we look deeper into not only God's Word, but the ideas, the thoughts, and the theology behind the Bible and what we believe and why we believe it. Because we know that the Bible's changed our lives, and we hope that it has changed yours. So join us next week as we continue working through our summer series. What are we going to talk about next week? Well, next week, that is going to be a mystery. A mystery. We are still working through that. But real quick, just to give our our listeners um, a preview of this summer, I've been in contact with a couple of professors at at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and we're going to have them on as hosts. And we're going to do a whole series on the Bible. So we're going to be doing some deep dives uh, into the Bible, and uh, really asking some great experts who who make a living out of studying God's Word. And so uh, I'm excited about the series that we're going to have coming up with them. Well, that's great. So join us next week and uh, be something fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, have a great week.